Good morning, good morning. If I haven't met you yet, I am Shay Ryanga. I'm the new guy here. I joined the, pastor, the pastoral staff a couple weeks ago. So please come say hi if we haven't had a conversation yet. I am thrilled to be here. Lindsay, my wife, is thrilled to be here. And this guy is really pumped to be here. Max, newbie dad, we made it nine months. Nine months. So I'm new, I get a little license. You get to see a little family, a little autobiography this morning. Um, we, he is thrilled to be here. And that's him in the morning, by the way. So he's pretty fired up. And as much as we wish he would sleep in a little more than he does, when, when you walk in and, and you see that, it's pretty awesome. It is pretty great to wake him up and get him ready to go because he's already ready. And he comes by it honestly. He's a morning person. I'm a morning person. My dad's a morning person. And then my papaw is a morning person. If you know anything about where I'm from, the bio online or anything, I'm uh, from Indiana and that's Max on papaw. And they are getting up in years. It had been 10 years, I think, since, since I had visited Indiana. Lindsay hadn't been yet. Max, of course, hadn't been. So we just recently went up to Indiana and had Max meet Papa, which is awesome. And he still said what he used to say to me when he'd get us ready for church. When we would stay over at Mamaw and Papa's house, we got to be in an interior room. It was very dark. It was very cool. It was awesome. But then at like 6 a.m. in the morning, I think, it was really, really, really early, Papa would come in, fling on the lights, throw off our comforter and go ba 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 Like he was in the army. He was an army medic. So I'm, I don't know, if bugle horn, I don't know. But Come on, little buddies, it's time to go to church, is what he would say. And Papal was fired up. Papal was definitely a morning person. But morning person does not begin to adequately describe why Papal is the way he is. We're in this series, Summer of Joy. Pastor David's been reminding us what joy really is and filling out that definition that it's not an emotion based on circumstance, it's a habit based on relationship, namely exercising faith, hope, and love as we work to grow closer to Jesus. So as we think about joy and as we continue to build up and fill out what joy means for us, I wanna circle around a question this morning. Is grace gone? Is grace gone? There may be some eye rolls with that question because it's like we're in a Methodist church. Grace is like we, what we sing about. It's part of our theology. It's part of our identity, Shay. Grace, is grace gone, really? It may seem like an obvious question, an obvious answer to the question for many of you. But I don't, I don't know. I don't know that it is all the time. I think for a lot of us, grace is hard to identify it's hard to acknowledge, it's hard to embrace, and especially for the people outside these walls that we haven't reached yet, I think it's a real question. Is grace gone? And as we think about grace and the relationship to joy, we can't experience joy if we have not first learned to receive grace. 
I mean, we, we may talk about having positive attitudes or, or, or what, what not, but if we haven't first received grace, then we cannot experience joy. And by grace, I mean, it's one of those words that we use all the time. I, I mean the undeserved and unmerited love of God towards us. If we can't receive grace, then we cannot experience joy. And I think there's a variety of reasons as to why we sometimes struggle to identify the presence of grace in our lives, but I wanna just circle around three. I think it's hard for us sometimes to identify grace because of the things that we've done, because of the things that we haven't done, and our ability to receive. I think grace is sometimes hard for us to identify because of the things that we've done. We watch the news. We, some of us still read a newspaper. We go to work. We go to school. And we see the messes that we make, the tangible things that we do. I mean, plagues and racism and violence and all these things, discord at the office, you name it, we can identify it. And, and, and a lot of the stuff, we know it, it's on us. So sometimes it's, it's tough to see grace in those situations. Long before American democracy and monarchy, Israel found themselves in 1 Samuel chapter 8 without a king. But they looked around and they saw some Babylonian boots and they saw some Persian silk and they saw big towering buildings that their neighbors had built to, as crowning achievements of their culture and of their industry and all the services that they've been able to provide and innovate. And Israel comes to Samuel and says, we want a king. We want more of that, which we, we're all different now. We don't do any of that anymore. We, we looked around and we wanted what we didn't have. And so Samuel takes this to the Lord and says, they're not satisfied with you anymore. They want a king to rule them. And so God says, you're gonna give them what they ask, but if they really, really, really want a king, warn them about what kings do. Warn them that this is what they can expect. So in 1 Samuel chapter 8, verses 11 to 18, we start to see this is what the king who will reign over you will claim as his rights. He will take your sons and make them serve with his chariots and horses, and they will run in front of his horses and chariots. Some he will assign to be commanders of thousands and some commanders of fifties and others to plow his ground and reap his harvest and still others to make weapons of war. He will take your daughters and make them cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive groves, etc., etc. You get the idea. Sounds awesome. We signed up for that. We still looked around and said we would rather have a king. And so we step into this reality even though we're warned. And, and, and that ain't sunrise, sunburn, sunset repeat. That's wake up, work, sleep, repeat. That's all-consuming 24-7 slavery and oppression where you don't forget grace. You, you don't have time to think about how you got in the situation. You quickly forget the cause that whether it was human or not, whether it was a consequence of your action or not, pretty soon reality is so tough. And sometimes we've been in situations where our anxiety, the pressure of our job or the pressure at school is just so overwhelming. And a lot of it's because of decisions that we make. 
consequences of, act, of our own actions. And when we're, in, when we're in that place, is grace gone is a real question. And you know, the funny thing is, is, you know, Israel makes this decision and Israel has kids and their kids have kids and their kids have kids. And we fast forward to Israel in Jeremiah 29. And now in Jeremiah 29, Israel's not home. The years with kings, some were okay, some not so great. Most of them not so great. And Israel finds themselves in Babylon, far from home, longing to go back home in Jeremiah 29. And there's generations of people now that, who's to blame now, you know? I mean, yeah, we kind of know the story. We know sort of how we got here, but, but that was a long time ago. And there isn't a decision that I made that got me in this place. Like the, law, the cause and effect relationship, like where is that now? And times are tough, we're just struggling and it's hard. And that human causality, it's not easy to identify all the times how we get where we are. I had a buddy in college, Kyle, who was an amazing pastor and mentor and friend. Waco, Texas is my first Texas home. Grew up in Indiana about 15 years ago. We followed my dad's job down here and my whole family moved to Texas. So before the Magnolia phenomenon, I loved Waco, Texas. I, I love, I love Waco, Texas. And Kyle was awesome. We played soccer twice a week. We had a little Wednesday church and of course Sunday morning church. And I don't care how introverted you are. Like you, you, Kyle's all right. Like Kyle, Kyle, Kyle will brighten your spirit. He's just... He's just that way. And we had, it was like this Sunday, a special Sunday with a baptism. And it was, it was a little extra special or out of the ordinary because at the time the church I served was mainly college kids, not a lot of multi-generational families. So for us to have a baptism was very rare. It was unique for sure. And Kyle was fired up. We got to see him in the morning before the service started and we get through the worship set and he's getting ready for the baptism. And there was this cool like brick wall facade that he was behind. And so you could kind of see him from, from the stomach up and the lady that he was about to baptize. But from the waist down, there was like this brick wall you couldn't see. And so they're getting in place. And Kyle reaches, reaches out to grab the mic stand. And there was a yell and he falls and five to six band members get to him and the congregation is still, and, and Craig Nash at one point is carrying one of Kyle's kids. Where's daddy going? Where's daddy going? And, and, and some paramedics came and went. And time, it's like time stopped. It's like an hour was condensed into to seconds. And when I got to the hospital, you know, um, you couldn't see eyes through the tears. And I looked at my buddy Tate and, and we knew. And um, it took a long time. I mean, we don't, we can't comprehend any of that in human origin and what, how, why? Like uh, after there was an investigation and we were out of the building for a long time. And uh, I guess electricity was leaking from the water pump. And when, when, he, when he grabbed the mic stand, somehow he grounded it in, in electricity. And, um, 
You know, we found ourselves in, in a time where, like, is grace gone? You know, and I know y'all have been there and cause and effect, uh, I don't know. And finally, I think it's hard for us sometimes to identify grace because of our ability to receive. I don't know about y'all, many of you are probably really good at receiving things, I'm not. I give and give and give and just exhaustively try and, and I'm terrible at receiving. I had a meeting with Dylan and Larissa a couple weeks ago and they thanked me for supporting them and my guttural reaction to them was no. No, 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 of course. Like, that's messed up. I have a hard time receiving. And many of us know people. It, life and death is at stake sometimes when it, when it comes to receiving. When it comes to receiving help. And, and, and some of us have a hard time receiving. Some of the examples we get in scripture, the disciples who are closer to Jesus than anybody are not great examples for a long, long time in the gospels of receiving. We see in, in another passage, Mark chapter 8. And if you're familiar with the gospel of Mark, it's unique in some ways. Like Mark moves really, really, really fast. And the people that really aren't supposed to get who Jesus is are identifying who Jesus is. And the disciples aren't those people. And then all of a sudden it slows down because finally Peter, finally one of the disciples, who's maybe spent more time with him than anybody, gets it. And, and answers correctly. And in Mark chapter eight, Jesus is asking that question, you know, who's everybody out there saying that I am? And they're kind of called out, so they answer, well, uh, some think, you know, you're John the Baptist. Some are saying Elijah. And some are saying you're maybe some other prophet. And then he turns the question on them. And he asks you and me the same thing every day. Well, who is it that you say that I am? And Peter finally gets it. He says, Messiah. They finally, someone, someone close to him finally answers the question right. And so, so Mark's funny. What, what so often is a secret in the gospel of Mark where Jesus is telling them, it's not time yet to, to, to talk. Don't, don't say, don't, don't. No, Mark now says, Jesus starts to say all of this quite openly. As Peter answers correctly, Jesus begins to give more insight. And he says how he must suffer he says how he must be killed. He says how he must rise again. And as Jesus just gets this out of his lips, Peter pulls him back, criticizes him and rebukes him and tells him what's up and how it's gonna go. And that, no, you can't die. That's not how this is gonna go. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Like, you're focused on human things, not divine things. You can't see the bigger picture. You can't receive. And as many times as we read in the gospels, all the gospels show us how Jesus tries to prepare them for what's about to come, but they cannot receive it. On the darkest day in history, where are the disciples? Where are the people that spent the most time with Jesus? They're gone. <laughs> They're scattered, right? They, they couldn't receive it then. And, and Paul reminds us in Ephesians 2, 8, that verse we so often memorize, that it is by grace that you have been saved and it's a gift. It's not your own doing. It is a gift. And kids at Christmas, what do you do with your gifts? You receive them, you open them. You don't put them in the closet. You don't say thanks and put them away. We, grace isn't meaningful, isn't effectual if it isn't received. And yet on the darkest day in history, those closest to him just were gone. They were scattered. They didn't receive 
perceive. And I think for you and me, we have that problem too. Our, we are overwhelmed by the emotions of some, time, of some of the situations that we're in, the circumstances we find ourselves in. Many of us think we have disqualified ourselves from earning grace. Many of us find ourselves in seasons of life where it's just pain and struggle and it isn't easy to see how we got here. And is grace gone is a real question. And many of us try and try and give and give exhaustively. And it hasn't led us to anything that resembles grace. Is grace gone? We all know, we all are here today because the answer to that question is an emphatic no. So our challenge is to remind each other each and every day, the answer to that question, is grace gone? Is an emphatic no. Because the reality is, is God doesn't let Israel go. Jesus comes to fulfill the law and the prophets. Meat and manna from heaven in the desert when they've got no sources of food that happens supernaturally to them. Water from a rock, waters part. Like God is always giving them spokespeople and the prophets so they step into God's will and plan and still we turn away and still we turn our back and rebel. We ask for another king. And so God's answer is to come himself in the flesh and show us what the king really looks like and what the kingdom is all about. God's grace doesn't run out on us. We can't do anything to disqualify ourselves from God's grace. As Paul says, neither height nor depth, nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God. And even in those times, those times where cause and effect, I don't know how we got here. You see, Kyle wasn't done preaching. Bert Burleson officiated Kyle's funeral. And Kyle was supposed to preach on Jeremiah 29 that Sunday and never got to preach his sermon. And in Jeremiah 29, like I mentioned before, Israel stuck. They just are grieving and longing for home. And they're just not there. And the answer God gives them isn't, I'm gonna take you home tomorrow. It's you're gonna be for a while, but I know the plans I have for you, for your welfare and not for your harm. And that was the message Kyle was supposed to give to people in college who were stuck in this season of transition. Kyle preached to us at his funeral where we had a lot of questions. There was a lot of uncertainty. This is what Kyle had to say to us. It's a paraphrase of Jeremiah 29, what God tells Israel. Live and live well. Breathe. Breathe in and breathe deeply. Be present. Do not be past. Do not be future. Be now. On a crystal clear, breezy, 70 degree day, roll down the windows and feel the wind against your skin. Feel the warmth of the sun. If you run, then allow those first few breaths on a cool autumn day to freeze your lungs. And don't just be alarmed, be alive. Get knee deep in a novel and lose track of time. If you bike, pedal hard, and if you crash, then crash well. Feel the satisfaction of a job well done, a paper well written, a project thoroughly completed, a play well performed. 
if you must wipe the snot from your three-year-old's nose, don't be disgusted if the Kleenex didn't catch it all. Because soon he'll be wiping his own. If you've recently experienced loss, then grieve and grieve well. At the table with friends and family, laugh. And if you're eating and laughing at the same time, then you might as well laugh until you puke. <laughs> and if you eat, then smell. The aromas are not impediments to your day. Steak on the grill, coffee beans freshly ground, cookies in the oven, and taste. Taste every ounce of flavor. Taste every ounce of friendship. Taste every ounce of life because it is most definitely a gift. A gift. And in the mystery of that time that I will never fully comprehend, God told me to go to ministry. My call to ministry comes from that time. Born out of Kyle's words and who Kyle was as a pastor, as a mentor, as a friend, and my call to ministry story isn't the only one that comes out of that time. As hard as it is for me to say, there's so much grace that we were given in Kyle preaching to us at his funeral. And heaven came down. And many of, many of you are here today. I know I'm here today because the disciples finally learned to receive. Praise God. The disciples finally learned how to receive. In light of the resurrection, the stone being rolled away and the body being gone. Like we see the lengths that God was willing to go to show us how much he loves us, to provide a way for us to have communion with him forever. And, and we see that because, because the answer to is grace gone, like the answer that that's no, that's a miracle. But, but even more than that, grace is exceeding in abundance. We see in the resurrection that grace is exceeding in abundance. And because grace is exceeding in abundance, we can experience joy every day. We can experience joy every day because grace is exceeding in abundance. The valve to God's grace is always on. As Pastor David reminded us, that prayer from Paul in Ephesians 3, 18 and 19, how vast, how, how wide, how high is the love of God for us. God gives out of his riches and who among us can measure the riches at God's disposal that he lavishes on us? Grace exceeding in abundance. You know, Papal, Papal's not just a morning person. Papal doesn't just have a positive attitude. Papal received grace. Papal approaches every day with joy. And it's because his mom, Mamaw Mamie, who was widowed when Papal was 10 years old, got a cart and wagon together and got Papal and his eight other siblings and drug them to church. And Papal learned with, with nickels to their name how to receive God's grace. And he taught his kids how to receive God's grace and who taught me. And as Papal is well into his 80s and dementia is just trying to take his mind and steal his memory, it hasn't touched his joy. 
And he's still an example that, that sin and death and fear and failure and disease and, and all that stuff is in the category of human things and not divine things. Like, like Jesus says, it is finished and has relegated those things. Those things that we still struggle with, their claim and authority is gone and no longer can have victory over our lives. And, and his papal was holding Max saying, hey, little buddy, just like he used to say to me, his joy is fresh, his joy is new. It's because he received grace. Y'all, I can't tell you enough how excited I am to be here. And I have made a lot of mistakes and I have spilled God's grace all over the place and made a mess and, and thought I did things to disqualify myself from God's grace. I've lived through seasons as you have where cause and effect times were tough. It was just pain and struggle and there was no easy answers. And we, is grace absent? Is grace gone? And I've tried to earn it. I've tried to earn it. And all that's wrong, all of it. I'm still learning to receive and I need your help. And I hope I can help you. I'm still learning how to receive. And you know, a lot of times we dismiss those people in our lives who are joyful because we're overwhelmed. We're overwhelmed with the emotions of what we're dealing with. May we learn how to listen. May we learn how to receive. May you know that God's grace doesn't come in small doses. God's grace is exceeding in abundance. God's grace comes like a flood. We receive your 
I want to invite you for just a moment uh, before we close, I want to invite you just to, to close your eyes with me. I want to invite you to a time of prayer. And I, I want to give you some time yourself to pray. And I want to encourage you to do that in just a couple different ways. Uh, perhaps you are here today and you're thinking, I need to receive grace. And if that is you, I, I, I would just encourage you, just repeat this phrase to yourself, Lord, help me receive. Lord, help me receive. Lord, help me receive. Lord, help me receive. Maybe you know somebody who, in particular, you've been praying for, you know they need that gift. And you might just simply repeat, Lord, bless them with your grace. Lord, bless them with your grace. Maybe you would pray for our students this week and you would just simply repeat the phrase, Lord, flood their lives with your grace this week. Flood their lives, fill this place.
today as you go, one of the things I want you to know is that you don't have to have the right words. There's no trick to this. There's no, there's no formula that you have to have that your prayer from this place can be as simple as just a phrase that you would carry in your heart, that you would meditate on, that you would repeat, Lord, Lord, help me receive. Lord, bless them with your grace. Lord, fill this place. Lord, remind me it's going to be okay. 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 Give yourself that grace to say that is enough because of how great God power, God's power is in your life. Let me say a prayer for you. Loving God, thank you for each person that is here today. Thank you for their life. Thank you for all the ways in which you have blessed them and what you have placed in their heart. Thank you for their gifts and their talents. Thank you, Lord, for their strengths and for their shortcomings. Thank you, Lord, for the capacity that you have placed in them to be instruments of your grace and your peace. And Lord, by your grace, help us all to do that a little bit better tomorrow than maybe we have today. Enable us to be your people in the world as you've called us to be. And send us forth, Lord, with your blessing, with your grace, and with your peace. Amen. Just remind you of the things we're praying for this week for our kids, for our Rwanda team. Um, remind you about the blood drive that we have going on that our, uh, was our kids' way of starting United Mission Week, a special way this year in honor of uh, uh, Amanda Ferguson, our uh, special needs director who uh, recently passed away after a long battle with, with bone cancer. If you're a first-time guest, thanks for being here with us. If we can serve you in any way, we'd love to do that. Uh, but until we meet again, may you go in peace, may you go in grace, may you go in love. Amen.